0: You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey.
1: Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It's September 16th, and I've got a really great show for you this week. I am the devil's advocate. I'm going to give you another one of the articles from letters... uh, (laughs) I always get them mixed up. From the devil. Now this is actually a collection of uh, letters from Anton LaVey's art column, Letters from the Devil, in the National Insider. Uh, it's scanned, collected, and available to you through Underworld Amusements. If you haven't picked it up already, definitely get your copy. Uh, it's called, the collection is called Letters from the Devil. So I'm going to talk, give you a little uh, article, letter, blurb on what can I do to fulfill my needs and really turn me on. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'll go into it in a minute. Infernal Informant, an article was uh, given to me by one of the listeners. Thank you so much. This is a great article. Financially troubled parts of Europe. Consider taxing church properties. Hmm. Maybe a little uh little pentagono revisionism in action? Coming down the line? Sounds pretty good. You gonna like it? I'll stop. And Romney at risk of losing edge on deficit. <laughs> And then, instead of a Creature Feature this week, I am going to bring you, I, I, uh, well, Aaron and I are going to bring you another episode, and I I should actually just remove myself from the equation, because Aaron is going to bring you another episode of Down to the Crossroads. Episode 3, Blind Willie McTell. Great. Or, it could also be called, uh, Beat Your Wife. (laughs) And you'll understand that after you hear the segment. It's really funny, it's really great. Uh, Another collection of wonderful songs. You know, one of the things that we do with this Down to the the Crossroads, we're continually trying to find a better way of both being able to hear the songs (laughs) that we're talking about and record it at the best audio quality we can. And we tried it with Google Hangout this time. And it was a little bit weird uh, because when you do that, you broadcast live. So we actually had, like, two people listening in, and then it went down to one person listening in to the Google Live, which actually broadcasts on the YouTube channel for Nine Cents Podcast. And we didn't really plan on having anyone listening in, and so you heard the unedited version of giggling and laughing about spousal abuse, which really isn't funny at all. But uh, we were caught up in the moment. So, anyway, it was a great segment recorded, and uh, we're going to bring that to you this week, closing out the episode. But before we start the episode, once again, I want to talk about the Greater Magic episode that's coming up next month in October. This is uh, an amazing, amazing thing I do every year. And Greater Magic is one of those topics that, you know, there's these sort of uh, lines in the sand that are drawn for, for uh, psychology and its implications uh, and practical applications with lesser magic. Uh, greater magic is a little bit different. It's sort of an entirely gray area. So, individual interpretation, individual ways of approaching it, uh, perspectives on greater magic. It's always a little bit different. And this year, I'm going to give you some satanic witches' perspectives and I want you to be a part of this episode. What I'd like you to do is email info at 9 cents any questions you have about magic. Do you actually believe that greater magic is something that exists? Or is it all just psychodrama? Send your questions in. If by chance you have any that are geared toward females, all the better. If not, not a big deal. Greater magic is one of those things that it's, I'm actually going to turn down my mic here as I'm talking I don't know why it keeps going up uh, Greater Magic is one of those things where it doesn't really matter that much whether you're a male or female on the surface the way you approach it might be somewhat different and so if you want to uh, hear a specific opinion now's your chance email info at 9centspodcast.com once again all your questions for next month if you don't email them you're not going to get on the episode and you're not going to be a part of history so uh, you know be part of history. Why wouldn't you want to? And today, I I alluded to it last week, this new project I'm working on, today we recorded the first episode. And I said, we? Well, I'm not going to do any name dropping quite yet. It's in the mail, though. And what we did was recorded the very, very, very first episode of Nine Cents Presents Satanists on Satanic Cinema. Yeah, that's a lot of sisses. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it was a lot of fun And I'm hoping to have it out To you In you know, a week, two weeks Ish So it's, it's coming And I'm really excited Once the episode is sort of packaged and formally available Then I'll announce the movie we watched The people that were involved And I'll uh, give you all of the details But for now The website's in development So I'm not going to spread that around Though if you're clever you'll figure it out Um, the social networking pages are sort of skeleton created right now, uh, and this is not going to be a free thing. I mean, the first episode, we're going to, you know, give you a little dip in the water. It's going to be a really cheap, really cheap. (laughs) I mean, really cheap, but it is something that I think is two hours of fantastic content that, uh, you know, that's worth a little something. And I mean, little. (laughs) <laughs> what I'm saying is it's not expensive, and I want to make sure that everyone who wants to get in on this can get in on it, and hear it, and enjoy it, and so the price is very low, it's very funny, it's a little bit educational, and it's something that hasn't been c- done quite like this, though there are similar things that are done like it, uh, so, you know, I- I'm going to start, stop, talking in abstracts here and, and kind of move on, but just know that it is coming, and it's coming very soon, and I'm very excited about it, and I've got a lot of really great episodes lined up for it, too, so uh, stay stay tuned for that one. All right, so let's talk about Old Nick Magazine really quick. Old Nick Magazine, the gentleman's magazine, the allure, the hint, the the tease of the woman, that's right, oldnickmagazine.com, you can get your print copy or your digital copy for all of your digital devices out there of which there are a billion and three that's all i counted and uh you know what if you want to get some good editorial content well old nick magazine is the magazine for you and it's 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 really built with counterculture in really in mind it's it's not for everyone it's for us and that's important all right and also so oldnickmagazine.com. go check them out Also, I want to do a correction. Last Devil's Advocate, I caught myself... I was listening to the episode after I ran it and and posted it. And this is something I do from time to time, every single week, where I I listen to my stammering and yammering and yapping, and I think, okay, I have to figure out a way to curtail this, uh, to rein it in. And then I heard something that I knew was incorrect, and I'm not sure why I said it, but I did. And it was the article of Might Is Not Always Right by Magister Nemo and I said that it was in the Cloven Hoof. Well, it's actually in the Black Flame uh, not the Cloven Hoof. And I said it two or three times or something like that. And I corrected myself on social networking sites, but I know not all of you follow Nine Cents on social networking sites, so I wanted to make sure to say it here too. I, I'm not trying to make things up and if I make an error I want to make sure and be honest and correct it. So it was a little thing but important might is not always right was in the black flame so there's that all right and uh you know what outside of the the, the hassle and the hectic life that i live in broken vehicles <laughs> i'm not going to go into anything else we're just going to dive right into the show so let's go ahead and start with the devil's advocate this is going to be a lot of fun Why? I say, why bother? How you done? Great. Let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? Don't lie to me! I guess, father... You gotta feel that old neck in your soul it becomes clear, like it did for me the first time, that's when I realized my one true calling in life, and what's that? Shit man, (laughs) I'm a born devil's advocate, welcome to the devil's advocate, I'm a satanist, I'm a member of the church of satan, but I do not speak for the church of satan. That is all. Okay, so I'm gonna start this off. This is from the National Insider, the collection that Underworld Amusements put out called Letters from the Devil. Go pick it up at underworldamusements.com. And I'm gonna read you the letter to Anton LeVay, and then I'm gonna to touch on what he said and just sort of elaborate a little bit um in my own opinion here. But I, I think this is a lot of fun, it's really great partially because of the poor style of writing. Dear Dr. LeVay, I've just read your column, and I'm very interested in any more information you can give me. First, I'll give you my questions. What can I do to fulfill my needs and really turn me on? Yes, she actually wrote that. There's no man in my life right now. Is it wrong or bad for me to massage my breast, or want to put something in me, or to stimulate my cervix? Can you tell me what is oral intercourse? I would like to learn more about witchcraft. Is there any groups in Kansas City or nearby that I can join? I'm not a virgin. I have had sexual intercourse about four times. I loved every minute. I know I have another chance. If I had another chance, I'd go to bed with him if I really did like him. And we both wanted a piece. (laughs) Is the devil in me? Uh, She goes on for a little bit. So, immediately, Anton LeVay in his uh, great humor, says, Okay, well, if you're 11, it's understandable. You don't know anything about um, sexual intercourse. If you're 40, egads. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Um, And then he, he just sort of, you know, lets her know that this is something that all young men, and I think I might have talked about this before, all young men have to understand that there is no one way to please a woman there may not be ten ways. And it is up to the woman to be able to tell you what is good and what is bad. And you have to pick up on like verbal clues and body language clues. But only the individual knows what is good or bad for them, sexually speaking. And he, he certainly brings that up to her. And he's like, look, if, if, you want, if you don't even know what turns you on, if you don't know what you like, you're going to be a horrible witch. Uh, You know, you need to understand sexuality before you can even approach the idea of um, becoming a practicing witch or or a successful witch. And if you've ever dived into the satanic witch or the complete witch, then you understand exactly what he's talking about. You have to understand yourself before you can understand how to please other people uh, through yourself and through your actions. It's really great. And then, you know, he talks about, yeah, that, that, that there are um, individuals in Kansas City, as she asked, that if she is of age, he's sure they would be pleased to meet her. And that's something that I think is really, really important, because he playfully touched on the idea that, you know, if she was only 11, then it would be understandable that she's so ignorant about him herself. But he's not speaking to an 11-year-old, he's speaking to a grown woman and letting them know that unless you're an adult, you cannot make these decisions about sexuality uh, for yourself or understand them. And Okay, I didn't mean to say for yourself, but you you just can't understand what it it is and what your body means because you're really not mature enough emotionally and uh, intellectually you know, sexuality is a very complex thing that affects people really differently. And we all have to sort of take that journey on our own. I mean, you got, that's, that's why you end up with people who really like, I don't know, Snoopy outfits, and you (laughs) end up with people who just, you know, are are happy with, uh, you know, missionary loving, you know. So, it's very much, Depending on, you know, the weird stuff that happened to you when you were raised. You know, just life experiences is what I'm saying. And uh, your own little proclivities, your, your little fetishes, whatever they are. But it cannot be answered. And there is never anything wrong with you exploring yourself in order to find out what you like and what you don't like. I mean, how else are you going to find? You just have to hope that uh, a partner is going to just stumble upon it. And I'm sure that happens, and I'm sure you can uncover some things that you wouldn't have discovered on your own that way. And there's nothing wrong with that either, but you have to be able to, uh, you know, uh, know yourself before you can expect someone else to know how to please you. And that's really what I want to speak to, and that's partially what he talked to, um, spoke to in this article. Certainly, check out Letters from the Devil. Uh, it, it's an it's an amazing collection of articles and uh it never disappoints it's always a lot of fun all right so that's going to do it for uh, the devil's advocate let's go ahead and jump into infernal informant
2: listen up listen up hey, you're good news there's no devil
1: bad news else no heaven there's nothing to see i'm your Infernal informant okay so this first article is from the Washington Post, Financially Troubled Parts of Europe Consider Taxing Church Properties by Adrian Yunyung Cha. (laughs) I think I said that right, September 13. Cash-strapped officials in Europe are looking for a way to ease their financial burden by appending centuries of tradition and seeking to tap one of the last untouched sources of wealth, the Catholic Church. Here, here, let me just start by saying, yes, that is right. If you want to make some money, that is a good place to start. An amazing place to start. They've been making so much for so long. Thousands of public officials who have seen the financial crisis hit their budgets are chipping away at the various tax breaks and privileges the church has enjoyed for centuries. But the church is facing its own money troubles. Offerings from parishioners have... Nosedived, for obvious reasons, and it has been accused of using shady bank accounts and hiding suspect transactions. Gasp! The Catholic Church doing something <gasps> unethical? <laughs> I would never have thought of this. Now along come officials like uh, Ricardo Rubio. Rubio, a city council member in Alcala, is leading an effort to impose a tax on all church property used for non-religious Purposes, The financial impact on the Catholic Church could be devastating. As one of the largest landowners in Spain, with holdings that include schools, homes, parks, sports fields, and restaurants, the church could owe up to 3 billion euros in taxes each year. We want to make a statement that the cost of the crisis should be borne equally by every person and institution, said Rubio, a 36-year-old former accountant in his first term in office. Similar efforts, the tax church coffers or powers, are underway in neighboring countries. In Italy, Prime Minister Mario Monti has called for a tax on church properties or on those portions of properties that have a commercial purpose. In Ireland, the Minister of Education is fighting to end church control of many of the country's primary schools, and the government has slashed in half the grants it gives to poor families for First Communions. More than half of the city councils in Britain have eliminated state subsidies for transportation to faith-based schools, leading to a precipitous drop in enrollment. Once an untouchable institution in some parts of Europe, the Catholic Church has come under fire for its government subsidies at a time when the continent's economies are faltering and the population is subject to painful cuts in jobs, benefits, and pensions. Political groups have seized on the crisis as an opportunity to open up a large debate about whether it's time to unwind some of the deals struck generations ago between church and state in a predominantly Catholic countries in Europe. The separation of church and state is a big issue here, says Charles Zeck, director of the Center for the Study of Church Management at Villanova University, which focuses on the Catholic Church's finances. In response to the controversy, the Vatican and representatives of the church, Cardinal Antonio Maria Moco in Spain, Cardinal Angelino uh, Bagnasco in Italy, who have heard the council of bishops in their respective countries, have released statements saying they intend to comply with all laws, but they have declined to comment further except to emphasize that current norms recognize the social value of church activities, like pedophilia, I added that part, cash flow troubles, efforts to to pare down its financial privileges could not have come at a worse time for the Catholic Church, which is experiencing money troubles despite its great wealth. Yeah, yeah, I don't don't believe that. No, unless they spread themselves too thin, which is entirely possible. The net worth of the Vatican and the Catholic Church diocese is difficult to estimate, but it is thought to be astronomical, according to Zeck. The Vatican's treasure of gold alone is thought to be worth several billions, Billion dollars. The Church's nearly 3,000 dioceses serve individual countries, regions, or cities that defer to the Vatican in matters of doctrine but maintain their own finances. With most of its assets tied up in buildings and artwork, the Church has faced a cash flow problem in recent years. Contributions have fallen dramatically in the wake of the global economic downturn. The clergy abuse scandal cost the Church hundreds of millions in settlement costs, further eroding cash reserves. This, I cannot believe that they would be using this as like, oh, well, you know, why taxes? We don't have as much money because we have to pay all this hush money to all these children that we raped. It is infuriating that this organization even is allowed to continue to exist after such actions. And they're complaining about having to, the prospect of having to pay taxes. Mismanagement has been another problem, especially for the Vatican, which this year reported its worst deficit, $19 in a decade. The Vatican Bank has been embroiled in scandal for two decades, from the recent ousting of its president to accusations of money laundering and ties to the Mafia, a possible murder, and the disappearance of $1 billion in a bank it was closely linked to. The issue of church tax payments has been simmering for several years. In 2010, European Union regulators launched an investigation into the Catholic Church and the taxes it pays in various countries. The EU's competitions are... Jack Quinn, Alumni, has said that the tax breaks could be considered state aid and illegally distort competition in the market. But the issue wasn't at the forefront of the debate until earlier this year, when Monty, the Italian prime minister, called for assessing taxes on church properties. Spain's prime minister, Mariano Rajoy. I I don't know, I would say that with an accent, (laughs) has come down to the other side of the debate. He has called proposals to impose property taxes irresponsible. The church, he said, deserves the exemptions because it serves a very important social function. And I'm betting that the church paid him a healthy sum to say that. Meanwhile, at least 100 cities in Spain have passed resolutions supporting municipal taxes on the church, and several thousand more cities are debating them, according to Europe Lacia, a pro-secularism group. In the coastal city of Buena Vista del Norte in the Canary Islands, Mayor Antonio González Fuertes, 30, said he's trying to collect 6,000 euros, about $7,750 dollars, from the church from a rental villa and a banana farm it operates. Fuertes would like to use the money for efforts that have had to be cut, such as children's recreational programs. The city's financial situation is very bad, Fuertes said. It doesn't make sense to allow for-profit properties to have special treatment while social services are suffering. For David Carradon, 38, a council member in the textile town of Aspen, Eastern Spain, tax collection experts are more a matter of principle an attempt to distinguish between the church's religious role and its role as a money maker in june asps council passed a measure supporting the collection of property taxes on church owned buildings and land with no regu- i'm sorry religious or charitable functions such as a restaurant in the center of town why would you uh, want to tax that that's a money mer- money earner for the church they they're they're holy right they shouldn't have to do things like regular human beings. (laughs) This is a moment for the country to stand up to the power of the church, Keridan said. Not the right moment. Uh, Vincente Ahmad, a council member in the shoemaking town of Elda. Your whole town is just known as shoemaking? (laughs) Are there... Is there anyone else that lives there that does anything? Like the bread maker? (laughs) The... uh, The butcher, they're a little pissed off. The shoemaker, they get all the glory in this town. They get all the pussy. (laughs) If I could get one good cut. Um, Which in August passed a resolution supporting a church tax, says that this kind of thinking is narrow-minded because it fails to take into account all the public services the church provides. Ahmad abstained from voting on the measure, saying he doesn't think that it's right moment for such a step. It is in times of economic hardship that we need the church the most and need to support it, he said. And we're going to throw another bag of church money at this guy for having said that. And I bet they did. Here's something we got to remember. If you tax the church, you will no longer have such a hard economic situation. It's kind of just basic math. (laughs) <laughs> if you're not bringing in enough money through taxes to support the programs that you're that you're uh, uh, exercising in, in your local government, and yet there are for-profit, church-run organizations in that same area operating, that if you tax them, you would get the money to continue those things. It, it's just like, one plus one equals two, right? Not to the church it doesn't. Nestled between a line of hills at the River Henares, about 22 miles northeast of Madrid, Alcalá has been occupied by Moorish, Jewish, and Christian settlers since it was founded in the 1st century B.C. Famous for being the birthplace of Miguel de Cervantes and Catherine of Argon, the city is one of the first Catholic church districts in Spain. The local government has long had close ties to the church. The local bishop lives in the majestic 13th century palace in the city center, but in recent months, relations have become strained. The city is facing a budget shortfall of 33 million euros, nearly 43 million dollars. There have been forced cutbacks in everything from security patrols to the number of streetlights that can be illuminated at night. In May, the city council backed a proposal to collect municipal taxes from properties within its jurisdiction. The city of 203,000 is tallying which church properties would be effective and drawing up an estimated tax bill but holdings that could be affected include university dorms, a school, and even city hall. One big challenge is determining which properties should be considered commercial, as many operate in a gray area. For example, Rubio asked, should a sweatshop that sells almond nougat and is run by nuns be considered a business? Rubio, who considered himself Catholic, said he doesn't see the proposal as a religious issue and believes All entities that enjoy special privileges, including political parties and unions, should be taxed. But efforts to collect the money have been blocked, and the debate has divided small Spanish towns. In Alcala and Asp, the city councils were told by attorneys that three national laws, including one signed in 1979, allow the Catholic Church to operate in the country without paying property tax, and that would have to appeal to the national government to change the laws before handling local diocese bill. In Buena Vista del Norte, the tax collector refused to send the bill despite an order by the city council. Fuerte has said that he is unfazed and that he is preparing to take the issue as far as the Supreme Court until the taxes are paid. We need to force the church to answer why it should continue to have these benefits while the rest of us suffer, he said. And let's just think of it in terms of a church. So if <clears throat> if they are, as they propose to be, a social benefiting organization, wouldn't it be a good social gesture to pay taxes like everyone else? To help continue locally run government institutions. I mean, if you're going to operate in the area, but sap funds from it, that's not very Christian. Alright? <laughs> but hey, it's the Catholic Church. They're not Christian. In fact, no Christian religion is Christian. And I think it's funny that they're focusing, I mean, it's obvious why they're focusing on the Catholic Church, but it's every other religion, every other organization that runs, uh, operates for-profit businesses in an area should be taxed by that area. And those locals should reap the benefit of those taxes. It's really just basic stuff here. But no, they're holy. They're holy. Why should they? It's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, pentagonal revisionism. This is the second point. Number one, stratification. Number two, taxation of churches. There's no reason why an organization which has billions and billions of dollars wrapped up in real estate and art can't sell some of that off in order to, you know, I don't know, pay their taxes or not have a deficit. If you're sitting on some... On, why would you want to live in debt? This is what I don't understand. We have to understand that all these churches are just businesses Don't live in debt. Stand on your own two feet. If the church can't do it, disband it. Dissolve it. Destroy it. Because all it's doing is sapping the life out of everything in the communities that it resides. And that little tiny piece of hope that some of those pathetic human beings are getting out of praying to their gods, well, they can still get it by reading their fairy tale books all they want. But it shouldn't affect everyone else in those communities. And it is right now. Great article. Thank you for bringing it up, man. I do appreciate it. All right, the second one, also Washington Post, um, actually was the first one. And uh, Romney, a risk of losing edge on deficit. This is by Zachary A. Goldfarb, posted today. Voters have long favored President Obama over Mitt Romney for handling terrorism and advancing advancing the interests of the middle class. Romney, however, has consistently enjoyed a wide advantage on only one issue the nation's gaping budget deficit. But now, the Republican president nominee, who's tried to bolster his definite credentials by picking budget hawk Republican Rep. Paul Ryan as his running mate, is at a significant risk of losing the edge on the policy area that voters have trusted him most on. It's an issue that dominated the political debate last year, and will again immediately after the election. Two recent national polls show a narrow gap between Romney and Obama on the deficit. Romney seems to have lost his advantage after weeks of being pilloried by Democrats for his policies, which they claim would cut taxes on the rich, raise taxes on the middle class, and cost seniors more for health care. Conservatives and independent analysis, meanwhile, have been increasingly questioning whether Romney's proposals are detailed enough to justify their claims. The cumulative effect seems to be taking a toll on Romney's reputation as someone who would fill the nation's debt burden. Or, I'm sorry, fix. Just as voters are beginning to pay close attention to the election, the fiscal problems of Europe are dominating the headlines, and the the end-of-the-year fiscal cliff, with a recession-inducing series of tax hikes and spending cuts, comes into focus. Obama... And bomna and Romney each claim to have a plan that will cut the debt by about four trillion over the next decade, which would be roughly enough to stabilize the size of the debt compared with the overall economy. To close the gap, Obama calls for tax hikes on the wealthiest, spending cuts, and modest changes to entitlements. Romney relies solely on spending reductions. Although Americans support deficit reduction, polls show they do not favor cuts in entitlement programs such as Medicare. They do, however, support raising taxes on the wealthy to close the budget deficit. Even if they agree with the approach he wants to take to reduce the deficit, they don't believe he's going to follow through, says Jonathan Burke, Deputy Policy Director of Romney's campaign. Critics point out that Obama has far from a perfect record on the debt. The country added about $4 trillion to its debt during Obama's term, in part because of the recession, and he failed to live up to his promise to half the deficit. He also didn't fully... Im- Graced the report of the Simpson-Bowles deficit reduction commission, he created a frustration for many of the president's supporters in the business community. The president would attract more CEOs if he adopted Simpson-Bowles, said Mark Bainoff, an Obama campaign co-chairman and chief executive of Salesforce.com. I've told the president that I felt it is the right plan. He should reconsider his position president last summer, sought and failed to strike a grand bargain, to trim $4 trillion from the federal debt and negotiations, an achievement that his political advisers have said would have provided a major boon on his re-election campaign. And I want to say, he sought and failed to do it. So, it's not like he's been sitting on his ass over the issue. He tried to get changes to happen, but Republicans will not let it happen. It's just something we have to live with in this Tea Party world that political uh, Republicans are sort of handicapped by. Romney has tried to capitalize on Obama's weakness, largely embracing the House Republicans' aggressive plan to cut spending and citing his record as a businessman who knows how to balance a budget. For much of the year, the strategy seemed to work. The former Massachusetts governor enjoyed leads of 8 to 17 percentage points over Obama in Washington Post ABC News polls on the deficit issue. It's all about you don't spend more than you make, said Dennis Miller, 62, a retired educator and undecided voter in Loveland, Colorado. On the deficit, Romney has my support because he has more of a business background and understands budgets and understands business. And I trust his instinct in the area more than I do Obama's. But now Romney's advantage is slipping. In the most recent post ABC poll conducted after the conventions, the difference on trust to handle the deficit narrowed to 47% for Romney and 44% for Obama, within the poll's margin of error. A CNN poll conducted during the convention had a similar finding. Several factors seemed to be behind Romney's losing ground. Democrats have lampooned him for policies that he said would raise costs for seniors seeking health care, and they say that he doesn't or hasn't been forthright about how his proposal to cut tax rates for the wealthy would either require high tax or revenue from the middle class or add to the deficit. Analysis for, by nonpartisan groups such as the Kaiser Family Foundation and the Tax Policy Center have bolstered these claims. I don't think he's taken seriously the challenges that the country faces in figuring what he wants to do. He thinks he can be all things to all people, says James Cavall, the Obama campaign policy director. He thinks he can simultaneously appeal to people who want a tax cut and appeal to people who are budget hawks. Romney has said he would reduce tax rates to spur economic growth and completely make up for what lost revenue by eliminating deductions. He's repeatedly refused, however, to list which deductions he would strike, leaving many analysts, I'm sorry, analysts to say that what he proposes is a mathematical stretch if not an impossibility. Romney also faces criticism from leading lights of the Republican Party and prominent conservative politicians sorry, publications, such as the Wall Street Journal editorial page, for his policy vagueness. The assertion that you are more competent than President Obama... ...strikes many people as merely that, an assertion. It would be more supportive by your speaking in more detail about a range of financial issues, conservative commentator Peter Hansen wrote last week in the Weekly Standard. Alan D. Viard, an economist at the Conservative American Enterprise Institute, said Romney has muddied his message in recent weeks. Romney has proposed overhauling the tax program to offer vouchers to seniors to buy health insurance on an open market in order to save costs. A proposal Obama has said he would put a bigger burden on seniors. But Romney shot back, saying that To pass Obama's health insurance law in 2010, the president cut $700 billion in future Medicare spending. Romney pledged to restore it. To see a Republican ticket advocating increasing the deficit by increasing spending on an entitlement that's not something you want to see, Bayard said. Medicare is popular. The debate in the campaign over Medicare has almost changed over who will spend the most money. All right, so... In order to in order to um, reduce the amount of money that's wasted in Medicare, they cut uh, illegitimate funding up to $700 billion dollars. Obama did. And Romney and Ryan are attacking him over this one very, very crucial issue, saying they're stealing from Medicare. But Romney and Ryan's plan does the exact same thing. Now, Romney's going around saying that he'll put the money back into it, but his plan says that he won't. He's going to cut the same amount. So, uh, what are they bitching about? they got some balls right there, right? Okay, well, that's not it. Um, It's the vagueness Romney is giving over his common sense plans to balance the budget that are making people do a second take. on on what his actual plans are. Obama has given point by points. Romney has outright refused to say what he's going to cut in order to balance the budget. Refused. Not, oh, I'll get to you later, or let me look into it and get back to you. He says he will not tell you. And you know why? Because he doesn't know. Romney is, I, I hate to say it, He's a brilliant businessman. I mean, he's very wealthy, and he's done a great job at turning over businesses, getting non-profitable business to profitability, and then selling them off, um, putting all of his money uh, in the right stocks and in overseas funds, and, you know, being very rich for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Unless you have to deal with, I don't know, world diplomacy in which he knows nothing of. And recently he's been assaulted even by conservatives for his uh, jumping the gun on the riots. Uh, Yeah, Romney, he will not see the White House. Better or worse, he will not. And you cannot have a president, someone that's supposed to be the diplomatic face of America, know nothing about diplomacy. You can't. And you can't have just a businessman running America. Because, it's funny, he's, he's touting that he is this great businessman, and that's how he's going to balance the budget, all the while running on a ticket that's saying that they don't want any government influence at all. So, what's his position really? And what can he really do if he reduces government's influence on everything? How is he going to balance the budget? He's operating in the government, Right? That doesn't make any sense. He's going to handicap himself to fix the problem that he says he's going to go in there to fix by the same policies that he's proposing. It's insanity. But, hey, whatever. That's that's Ryan. That's uh, Romney. That's uh, Republicans. And that's why they're on the outs. And they have been for some time. And it's funny because you have conservative talking heads uh, saying that very thing. That if Romney was... Uh, to keep flapping his gums without being put in check, then uh, the Republican Party could be going the way of the dodo. I don't think that'll ever happen, of course. But it does mean that it's going to be another four years of a Democrat and maybe another eight or more because of these asinine, extreme right stances that the Tea Party is forcing the Republican Party to take. It's really sad and, and it's... I mean, it's not good for the country, economically, but it also, I mean, intellectually, it's bad. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for the Infernal Informant. Let's go ahead and move on to Creature Feature. And actually, no, I'm lying. It's not Creature Feature. It's down at the crossroads. Hells yes. Ah, right, there you will. She so won't stay out in this blackout? Sure it's dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. Do yourself!
0: What are you doing out here?
1: Oh, I'm I'm headed down to the crossroads. Wait, miss. You can't be. You're the
0: devil. devil. But
1: you're, you're
0: beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my
1: god. All right. Welcome to another Down to the Crossroads. I'm being joined by Aaron. How are you, my dear?
0: I am doing great. How about you? <laughs>
1: I'm pretty good. That is a lot better when it's shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A little faster, a little more tied together. It's, uh-huh. it's good stuff. All right, so another week, another down at the crossroads. Finally, we were able to connect online. You've been Here a busy we. woman lately.
0: Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm too old to be this busy. <laughs> too old.
1: You'll just be, like, sitting back, smoking a cigar.
0: <laughs> exactly, on my porch with my, I don't know. Southern Comfort, I'm getting drunk.
1: Your, your iPod. <laughs> that is weird because, like, when I think of back in the day, you know, like, someone's, like, picking at a guitar just all willy-nilly or, or, you know, playing a harmonica on, like, a porch, and I'm thinking, like, old Kentucky, middle of the mountain. And nowadays, yeah, And nowadays it's, like, me sitting in a plastic chair with my iPod uh-huh. <laughs> listening yeah. to music.
0: This is what we've come to. <laughs>
1: I don't know if that's much better. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Down the Crossroads. What do you have for us this week?
0: All right. I've got some songs. I've only got a couple this time, but uh, they're good ones. And it's Blind Willie McTell. He's an old southern blues guy, of course. What else would I have for you? Mm -hmm. Um, He's not from the Mississippi Delta. He's from Atlanta. But he plays the country blues like he was from the Delta. Um, What can I tell you about him? grew up in Atlanta, like I said, and he was a street performer. He's blind, blind from either birth or childhood. They don't know. You know oh. nobody kept track of that kind of thing back then. But he was unusual or maybe not so unusual, but he played the twelve string guitar and uh which gave him you know, he he's he tells it he started playing because when you're playing on the streets of Atlanta, it's loud. You know, there's a lot of people around. So he's got this 12-string guitar, which is really loud, much louder than a six-string. It's, per, you know, it's percussive, and you know, he really hammered away at it. And, um, but the interesting thing about Blind Willie McTell is that he, <laughs> he was highly religious, but he also he wrote these songs that intertwined like, sex and violence and religion, in a way that I can't i can't find another artist that was quite as uh brutal and yet at the same time maintaining his very strict religious background he actually ended up being you know becoming um i forget a baptist preacher i'm not sure A, a deacon of some kind in the mount zion oh baptist yeah mount zion baptist church and uh he was a deacon he was you know used the braille Bible, since he was blind, of course. But um, highly really religious. True. I know, it's crazy, and he, he... Wait till you hear these songs, it's gonna blow your mind, like... And, you know, I'm 35 years old, and I've been listening to these songs for 20 years, and it, is, it wasn't until pretty recently that I actually listened to the lyrics of these songs and realized what a absolute lunatic this guy is. <laughs> I mean, he's just... Well, let's play the first one, and we'll, well talk Well, hold on. About
1: before it. you do, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm still <laughs> stuck on this whole Braille Bible thing. Oh. <laughs> like, how is that even possible? Like, okay, so if we can <laughs> look at, like, the history of the Bible, there's parts in it that, that mm-hmm. were Greek original. I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. really sort of constructed as a, a solid tome by Emperor Constantine in 325 A.D. around that time at the Council <laughs> of Nicaea, yeah. And with all the translations... Mm-hmm. Uh, how how would Braille hold up? I would like to take <laughs> even the King James Version. Like, when you're feeling over it, and they're talking, because mm-hmm. I know there's some there's some sexy parts in the Bible, some real sure. violent parts in the Bible. Exactly. And you're just, like, touching that. thats That's got to be, like, a weird experience. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, the tactile experience
0: to the yeah. whole thing. It's, yeah, a whole another layer. Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean, know. What if the New Testament's in the in the Braille, and what it's like to uh Oh,
0: I'm sure, I'm sure
1: to feel Jesus die on the
0: cross <laughs> that's a great question we should find some blind people and ask that's funny
1: <laughs> yeah put lay like, on Craigslist I would like to talk to a blind person who has uh, felt Jesus die on the cross
0: I don't want anything from you no homo I just want to know what's up with the Bible <laughs>
1: alright I'm sorry I just All right. to, uh, yeah let's listen to this let's listen
0: alright alright
2: Now, look here, Mama, let me tell you this. If you want to get crooked, I'm going to give you my fist. So he starts right out by saying, Look here, Mama, let me tell you this. If you want to get crooked, I'm going to give you my fist. Then he starts talking about the books of the
0: Bible Revelations, Genesis.
2: I just got money I'm coming a in and a few miles in. How did I get out?
0: Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> Somebody must have dressed him, I guess. Gigantic guitar, too. Is that it's big, he's black? it's a 12 string. <laughs> it's because <when> he's black. <laughs> It's, it's
2: probably because really it's a 12 Street, actually. Mom. <laughs> take it from the east, hide it in the west. when I get it mommy,
1: you won't see no rest. all right I dig I the, way, the the sound okay so I mean when he's talking it's very quick he's throwing in a lot of information all at once it's not really that that Dixie sort of
0: yeah, yeah. And slow one line, got, line at a time. Exactly, yeah. He, he's pretty well known for his, you know, he's got really good diction. He's, he's actually, you know, for a black man in that time in that, you know, southern part of the country, he was actually really well educated. He traveled up to New York, went to school for the blind up in New York. So he's really well known for his, you know, diction and the, the speed of his lyrics and stuff, which is why I think it took me so long to figure out that this man is absolutely great, you know. A, take that beats as you know beats women and
1: such and... very Christian
0: well, yeah yeah he sticks to it <laughs>
1: There's one line in there, I think we passed it, but he
0: says, it's uh, <laughs> a great line, he says, every time I hit, you'll, I hit you, you'll think I have a dozen
2: hands. <laughs> it's such
0: a great line,
2: like, coming at you from every angle. But then, you know, the great part at
0: this point, he's talking about, um, he says you might be deathbed, sick, and graveyard bound, but I'll make your can moan like a hound. So he moves sort of seamlessly from the violence, right into the sex because it's clearly because you know the southern oh, can
2: you know oh well, yeah well
0: for some people <laughs> but obviously the southern can that he's talking about is this woman's ass you know can
1: no, i <laughs>
0: But yeah, so it's right there in the songs, side like You should know what you're in for at this point. But, you know, so what I love about the songs that he does, he just moves so seamlessly from, like, punching this woman in the face and knocking her teeth down her throat to, you know, spanking her ass. and He says at one point, every time I hit it, you'll holler, you know, oh God, oh God. <laughs> You hear me talking, son can't I'm gonna you? shut up for a second because
2: this is really My like a straight like i time hit you that Ain't a need to it to get to
0: Ah, uh, isn't that great? <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, right. so. Wasn't that great?
1: Yeah, I, I loved the pace that he was singing in that yep. tune. I, and I really, I have to appreciate the message because no. there was a time when, I mean, we laugh about it now, like, oh, how how ridiculous, how hip, mm-hmm. hypocritical that would be, actually. But the, no, <laughs> there was a time no, when no. it was okay. It yeah, was, back then right, that was. Dominate your women.
0: Sure, you were, you weren't a good Christian if you weren't beating your wife. <laughs> a signal, no, you know, no larger than your
1: thumb, but... <laughs> thumb. <laughs> yeah, and uh, even uh, this evangelical preacher recently uh, was in the news because... Oh. So he was asked a question about how uh, my wife... Th- this guy wrote in saying how his wife was not listening to him, not minding him. Oh my
0: him. god, I heard that. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah, so I saw it on the Young Turks actually, and oh. uh, <laughs> he said, well, you you could turn Muslim and beat yeah. her. <laughs> And Move he was sort of just catching himself, like, "What? I don't know." Because I, it used to be that you could. I don't know how, it, like, you cannot take that. You have to put her in line. Yeah. I don't want to say you got to beat her, but you got to beat her.
0: Oh, it was amazing. That was amazing. And he says it more than once. He's like, "Move to Middle East and become Muslim." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not saying beat your wife, but beat your wife.
1: I uh, <laughs> Love that. <great. them. laughs> I mean, it's horrible if you're in that situation. I don't want to be.
0: <laughs> oh no! No, we're not. Off, you
1: but. Know. I think it's very funny.
0: Abused women, but, yeah. You know, it was... Times were different back in... Mm-hmm. At least, you know, she stuck back in the, I don't know, 40s or 50s, but...
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and but, it, it, it does really define the, the, the worldviews that gentlemen like that, you know, stretch the word gentlemen, uh, mm-hmm. like that, uh, they're so different than mm-hmm. the rest of reality. It's, it's shocking.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, they used religion... To you know, as an excuse for a lot of things,
1: yeah,
0: you know, and beating beating women was just one of them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so a trip! All right, so what do we have next here?
0: All right, so sort of sticking with the theme here, this second one is called. That one was called. What was that one called? Southern Can. Um, the original title. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I love that. Isn't it great? Uh, let's see. It was Southern Can Is Mine. The original title was Southern Can Mama. Um, and a and today people would be have like, Badass Can Is Mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> Any rap song can lead you to the modern title. But, um, you know, a lot of people have covered this song. Uh, the White Stripes, most notably, pro- probably. And I think... I think Ry Cooter. Oh no, Ry Cooter covers this next one we're going to talk about. Remember when we talked about Ry Cooter last time we spoke? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he did a cover of this next song I'm going to play, but the um, Southern Can, <laughs> the White Stripes did it. And the the great thing about the White Stripes, I really like the White Stripes. I don't know how you feel about them. Yeah, they're all right. They're all right. <laughs> I don't
1: not like them. I mean,
0: yeah, right, yeah. But uh, I like Jack White. You know, I like the music he makes for the most part. But what I really like about him is that he shares the same influences that I do. So, you know, he f- fell in love with Sunhouse like right at you know the same age that I fell in love with him and stuff like that. But um, he they do this Southern can is mine, but they change the lyrics up a little bit, make them a little less you know teeth down your throat ish. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what was funny, I read uh, somewhere that Jack White he had a quote where he was talking about the song and he, his theory is that blues singers back in the day at this time actually used women as sort of a um, metaphor for white people. Uh, i so say that again? He, he, I think you heard me. They <laughs> used women as a metaphor for white people. So that when he was talking about beating a woman, his woman, he was actually talking about white people. And I think this is Utter bullshit. I think he was. I think he was talking about beating his his woman, um, but I think you know people have this sort of revisionist history, and he wants to sing mm. this song, so he sort of makes this bullshit academic sort of excuse, really, for why he you know why he can he feels comfortable singing about it because in his mind he's made it like a protest song. When I do not believe that for one second. <laughs> so. But he does a he does a really great version of. It. He's very faithful to the original. And, and in fact, there's one song uh, that Blind Willie McTell does. It's called "Motherless Children Have a Hard Time." And if you listen to that, you might be able to if you like squint your eyes and, and tilt your head. It, <laughs> it, it it almost sounds exactly like Jack White. So you can kind of tell where Jack White got his singing style from. His his singing style is very Blind Willie McTell. Oh wow. So, yeah, he's a huge, he was a huge influence. Uh, Bob Dylan has a song about, it's called Blind Willie McTell. He's, you know, he's hugely influential, but n- not enough people know about him, so that's why I'm talking about him.
1: Yeah, let's bring him back.
0: <laughs> all right, well, let's start the other song. This one, it's called Married Man's a Fool I'm- I need to
2: play, play all the Pieces yeah. Up. Married man's a fool, and A's in the <laughs> blues, beat lumber. Beat lumber. I know i jump them from other writers,
0: <laughs> but I'd range them my way. Yeah, so here he's talking about,
2: now, Married man's fool, yeah, i play other people's play
0: songs, but i do them my way, so here goes. And you can hear that 12-string guitar starts Friend right Luther out. Brown, he was a deacon, just as wise as he could be.
1: I love that. This is wild, a good book
2: back. <laughs> yep. A revelation on down to Genesee. You know, last Sunday morning we was over at the church. My buddy wanted to take him a stand. This is he wanted to look out upon that old congregation with his good book in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> he cast his eyes about. They looked over in the amen right, corner, such so. to begin to shout. What do you say? He's not a married man, a fool think that his wife. Love nobody
0: else but so him So basically this song If you She'll haven't a the you Bubba, it yet all Is that your life, all those Mary Ann's a fool slim. think that his wife Loves anyone but him Or any, Now you can no
2: read the good book him. Chapter 21 Every married woman Bound to have a fun <laughs> You read it on over Chapter 22 Wife and be your boyfriend Wife and you there too Now you read it on down Chapter 23 Two time your bubble Like she double crossed me Now you read it on down Chapter 24 shimmy the first time you're gonna wallow some more. You read it on over 25th page. Women these days, brothers, hard to engage. Now read it kind of careful. It's like he's like, he's 26. just giving us one of
1: his sermons. Marry your
2: wife, and yeah. you got to learn to get it fixed. Not chapter 27. <laughs> read this like this. Great. Your wife get crooked, give her a mouth <laughs> so of So he, you know,
0: he, he goes back to the whole uh, mouth of fists no
2: <laughs> I believe I'll close up this summit on chapter 29. Woman not get tired of the same man all the time. Married man, fool, think that his wife. Love nobody else but him, I mean.
0: Bring no it love home. Nobody else. <laughs> <I love laughs> that. Exactly. Isn't that great? So that's a sh- you know short one. But you get you get the gist.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. I love that.
0: Isn't it great? That's I think maybe the first song of his that I heard, and I just couldn't stop listening to it. But uh, like I was saying before, Ry Cooter does a version of that song where he cleans up the lyrics. Like they don't have he doesn't talk about the mouthful of fist at all. <laughs> 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 I don't know why. That's so funny. He opted out of that.
1: <laughs> it, it it really really reminds me. I was in the army for five years, um, and it reminds me of, like, Cadence, like, seeing mm-hmm. Cadence, like, just running down the street or something. Oh, sure, yeah. From cadence.
0: There's definitely a correlation there that we'll probably ex- explore in a an upcoming segment of the show. Oh, very cool.
1: <laughs> well, since we don't have a third one, we are going to end up cutting this a little bit short. Um, but that, I think, uh, I think that was a very, <laughs> very fun... <laughs> Uh, episode of down to the crossroads thank you so much
0: yeah yeah i would encourage all your listeners to go check out blind willie mctell because he's got a lot to offer the world
1: that's great yes and and (laughs) it really could be summed up as uh you know it's all right it's okay if you want to beat your wife yeah man Give give her a mouthful of fists
0: yeah man only if she gets crooked i mean if she's a good woman (laughs) then you don't have to beat her to
1: death if she gives you that can (laughs) when you want it
0: yeah exactly (laughs) Women, it's not that hard. You don't like getting punched in the mouth. And I know what you have <laughs> That's to
1: do. <laughs> it reminds me. Oh my gosh, I've, I've talked about this like probably ad nauseum in, on the show, but I don't even know. She was a girlfriend of my my actual real oh. father, so yeah, they it's don't not, count. But she <laughs> she told my wife when we first met her, she was uh, like, you need, "You need to you need to understand. She's from uh, Illinois." Awesome. That uh, if you don't give love to your man, somebody else will. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm very happy that you said that.
0: Cause... I think most women know that. If not by, you know, experience, then just by hearsay.
1: Yeah, and but I, it's a I good don't thing think to... many of them like to hear it, though, or like no, to believe no. it. No, no.
0: But that's why, yeah, she's a good woman. Some women need to be reminded, that's all.
1: Yeah, and and so that we don't sound like total assholes, it goes the other way too.
0: Exactly what <laughs> I was about to say.
1: <laughs> and just like uh, he actually said,
0: <laughs> it's not
1: a shock that your your woman loves other men too.
0: That's right. They to
1: have fun too. It's the right, answer well, to everything. If you want to follow Chelsea online, Chelsea, Erin well, well, online, <laughs> go go uh-huh. to Twitter, Chelsea Girl Nineteen, and uh, you know what? Every month. She's on Nine Cents, giving us another down at the crossroads. Thank you guys I'm, so much.
0: I am so excited for next times. So I've already what? got it planned out. It's gonna be awesome.
1: Oh, nice! And then that's gonna be October.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. All right.
1: Well, until <laughs> right. then, thank you so much for joining me, Hell Satan. Hell Satan. And that is gonna do it. For another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website, Nine centspodcastcom and send your correspondence to info at Nine Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. And did you know you can purchase official Nine Cents Podcast clothing and accessories through Asp Apparel? That is right, Asp com. You can visit the Nine dot website and click on the link titled Apparel. Or visit ASP Apparel and browse their fine selection of original and officially licensed designs. Support the show. Make a personal statement without saying a word. Or get a gift for this coming Saturnalia. Or whatever other holiday you choose to celebrate. Nine Cents Clothing by ASP Apparel. A match made in hell. <laughs> that was my commercial. <laughs> Alright, you can visit the net. Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for Nine Cents, and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show on Monday nights via my RSS feed found at NineCentsPodcast.com. We're also now on Last.fm and YouTube. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, an online streaming radio station. And once again, thank you for joining me, and as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, no beating your wife, hail Satan! Okay, only if she's out of line, then you can